0: What in addition to the right equipment does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to the Cutting Room, the official podcast of filmmakeru.com. I'm your host Gordon Burkell, and every week we bring you an interview with a film professional to explore the craft of filmmaking. And of course, this week is no different. I'll be interviewing Jay Prachiti, the film editor for Wednesday on Netflix. Some of his other work includes Snowpiercer and the next installment of the Scream series, Scream 6. Now, Jay and I are going to discuss a few scenes in the show Wednesday. Now, if you like this interview, be sure to check out FilmmakerU.com's courses where we bring you the best in the industry to discuss their craft and show you their secrets. These experts include Eric Whipp, colorist for Mad Max Fury Road, three-time Oscar-winning supervisor for VFX, Rob Legato, award-winning doc producer for HBO, Sam Pollard, and so much more. And of course, we always expand these as we discover more things. So in fact, I'm currently about to go into a shoot with Eric next week to add more content to the site about color correction. He's gonna actually color correct something and let people watch it. Now, if you like these courses, you can always use the code, the room, all one word, the room, at FilmmakerU.com when you check out to get 10% off. Now, with all that said, Let's hear what Jay has to say about Cutting Wednesday. We talked on Facebook about what we should talk about today, which is kind of cheating, I guess, for the interview for me. But (laughs) I do want to... So I watched all the scenes you suggested. They all stuck out. They're all really good. But I really want to talk to you about the uh, boat race, the Poe for the Poe Cup. Yeah. So what's fascinating to me about that is how much is happening during the scene. And so I'm wondering from... A geography point of view or from a um, uh, storytelling point of view, how did you keep people focused or how did you figure out how to keep people focused on on the scene? Because so many things are happening and you want to update them with the information, but also not lose them. I mean...
1: You asked about geography. There's definitely no geography <laughs> or anything. So don't look too closely at that. Um, Tim was definitely, that was not a concern for Tim at all. You know, yeah. the geography. I guess the only thing that's important is understanding which boat is in front of who. Yeah, uh, that, That's an important thing to kind of track and and their relative positions to each other. But other than that, please don't look too <laughs> careful because it is just all over the place Um, you know I mean that was such a hard sequence to film like you know filming canoes on the water (laughs) I don't recommend it Um, because it's you know I mean the first you know couple days of footage it's just as boring as you can imagine. It's literally people just paddling slowly. Canoes are not fast. Canoes are not exciting. It was like, how is this ever going to be a fun, exciting sequence? Because it's literally just people paddling slowly. Um, just like tons and tons of footage of that. Um, so, you know, I mean, that sequence more than any other in the, in the entire series, was a evolution and I think it's probably the sequence I went through the most rewriting as well mm. you know they'd shoot some we'd kind of edit it we'd look at it we'd rewrite it we'd shoot more we'd, re- <laughs> it, we'd shoot more because all of those action beats pr- probably about the majority of them were not in the original script it was a sequence that of all the action beats you know having a like the 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 idea that um the mermaid is trying to push all the canoes into the buoy and that's <laughs> just his MO that was a new that was a new thing that came in editing um he did that to one of the canoes but then yeah. the other canoe and that's just his MO that was all kind of developed in editing a, a lot of it a lot of the beats a lot of the action beats um changed
0: what was the yeah. original script like like the original scene that came in versus this, like why, like what were the story, like the reasons story wise that you guys were like, Oh, we have to make that change.
1: Because just because it wasn't exciting was the, <laughs> was the main thing. um You know, just people canoeing around. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a hard thing to film. um And it's just not visually very propulsive. You know, it's not motorboats yeah. or anything. It's like people, battle (laughs) um so it was really about just kind of making it most exciting it was about trying to make sense of what kent the merman was doing um and just kind of trying to give it the right uh action beats of you know like they try something they fail they try again they succeed how do they get around that you know just giving it all the story of what are the obstacles how do you overcome them um yeah, so that that sequence was probably shot over a lot of the a lot of the entire production of the show because we kind of kept coming back to it and at a certain point we were in winter. So <laughs> that's why you can probably tell there's a lot of shots in there that are like blue screen. I don't know if you I,
0: tell. I didn't notice it. And I watched oh, it on a big great. screen and I watched it on a small screen cuz I was just like Oh, I just awesome. watched it on my laptop again this morning yeah
1: some of those some of those shots are just people in a canoe on a blue screen <laughs> and it's like I can tell but I'm glad you couldn't but that's because we were just shooting it so long it went into winter and we couldn't go out on the lake anymore yeah. um yeah but all that stuff too with the merman that was all shot in a real tank underwater so that was like real underwater photography which it was just really cool
0: it's funny because i was gonna say like oh man those poor actors having to go out in the sun wearing all black and like but now it's find out it's winter i'm like oh they're fine <laughs> oh, yeah. for the, most part, the
1: actors were freezing to death and yeah. a lot of the show was shot in the romanian winter so for the most part they were freezing <laughs> <to death. laughs> poor <The> actors, actors. <laughs> were blue and like they couldn't move their jaw because they were wow. so cold
0: <laughs> jeez well and what's what's interesting is you you talked about like you know, like at the start you were like, Oh, don't, don't pay attention to the geography. But what's interesting is I didn't notice anything wrong with geography because I was engaged in the story. So like, was that part of like, okay, if we can get people hooked on the story, we don't have, we can throw that stuff out and not worry about it.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, it's also just part of the complicating complications of shooting like almost impossible to maintain continuity especially geographical continuity when you're shooting out on the water almost impossible um so you know it was kind of just a function of that mainly but yeah i mean but you know tim the director he's he's not concerned with that at all (laughs) like you know he just wants to be connected to the characters he wants you to be engaged in the action in the story um you know, sometimes I'd point out, oh, like this background is like, but I mean, at a certain point, I didn't, I stopped pointing it out because nobody.
0: Cares. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I have to do my job. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, because there's also not a, ton- I mean, there's tons of wide shots of people canoeing. Yeah. But in terms of like the like uh, close up coverage, especially because we're changing the story As we go, there's really limited, limited footage of people's faces, close-ups. So, and those just got used everywhere, like, and cheated wherever, you know, just to kind of tell the
0: story. Wow. Now, so one of the things I noticed in the show is it's very, um, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, your, like the marketing team that reached out to us was like, oh yeah, you know, it's deadpan and snappy. terms of like the delivery of the actors but it's like the the only word that i can think of is like hyper stylistic or hyper realistic i guess almost yeah in terms of like how it's delivered so like when you got the footage what what was like the footage like in terms of the actor's delivery was it always like this or did they evolve like how did i guess like how did you work with this (laughs) delivery it works for the series right it feels very much like a tim burton has done something here that's unique
1: yeah it's interesting i mean i'm always just drawn to that kind of thing normally i'm i'm not i feel like i kind of bring that element to almost everything that i work on in a way um i'm not like super interested in just like kind of naturalist naturalistic stuff low-key stuff I'm not like super interested in that I'm I'm always trying to bring a kind of heightened uh feeling and emotion and yeah I don't know not surreality I guess but yeah just something that's just not that's just heightened emotionally because I just you know it's really something really important is just to have a big impact on the audience like I'm always trying to have a really strong impact. And for whatever reason, in my mind, that means for me, like pushing into that direction. Um, I mean, obviously, you can have things that are naturalistic and quiet and small that are compelling for the audience. But for whatever reason, in my mind, when I'm creating something, it's the other direction for whatever reason, just because I wanted to be like punchy and grab you. And, um, you know, using all the tricks, sound and music and everything just to kind of really push the style in that direction. Um, You know, I mean, and Tim Burton, the way he shoots things is very precise, like very precise, you know, like very composed frames. Um, Not a ton of camera movement a lot of the time. Um, And looking back at his film, that's kind of his style of shooting. It's like composed frames and the action happens in the within the frame almost like Mm -hmm. a comic book panel you know um and so that did require a certain kind of editing you know a lot of um things I've worked in the past are more kind of guerrilla style or kind of almost more abstracted the editing almost gets kind of Mm -hmm. more abstracted um but uh with this you couldn't really do that like when the frame is so like (laughs) composed and artful you can't like just go in and start doing all kind of crazy editing tricks and stuff you really have to kind of work within the frame as well so that kind of affected the editing style is trying to just for me trying to match that kind of precision in the cinematography with the kind of precision in the editing well, as much as possible you know it's not always possible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what was it like 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 when you're working with uh, Tim Burton is he very hands on in the edit suite? You know how like some editors directors are like, I want to be there all the time, and some directors are, you know what, show me when you got a cut, I'll pop in and take a look. Yeah, uh, like what what's his approach in the edit suite with you? He works
1: extremely closely uh, with uh, editing editors, uh, editorial, um, because it's part of the entire filming process for him. Um, it informs how he's shooting, what he's shooting. So he likes to see cuts like immediately, constantly, every day um, to get in his mind, kind of part of what of what we're creating. Um, so I- I've heard that on films that he's done, he looks at, uh, I'm not entirely sure this is true, but I think it's true, <laughs> that he looks at um, scenes that were shot in the morning of that day that evening so he doesn't even wait till the <laughs> next day um so you know they get immediates from the set and the editor is cutting them and then after the shoot day he comes in and he watches them that's not um you know normally tv doesn't work that way um so I kind of was like oh, is it okay if we look <laughs> like the day after you shoot or and also in my head and like oh this has to be like really polished so I'm like could it be like the next day or two days after um, which he was really accommodating to, which was nice. So yeah, every day, that was actually a huge, like just logistical issue of just how do we edit and output? And just cause we were preparing scenes for him constantly, like maybe, like half of the assistant's day was just like Uh. dealing with outputs and getting things on an iPad for him to look at and shuttling this back and forth. So, um, uh, very involved with editing. We, uh, he would look at scenes every day and we'd talk. Well, I was on set. I was on set in Romania for this purpose (laughs) because he likes working really closely with editors. That's what Paul was saying. (laughs) He was like, I didn't get
0: to CJ. He was. exactly. Exactly.
1: Exactly so um yeah so you know i could just like pop out to his trailer or he could come by my office was just like a few doors down from his if he was in his office he could just come down or if he was on set i could just run over to his trailer because i was working in the studio where they filmed the majority of the show so and yeah we just talked about the scenes or whatever
0: you know like when i've talked to people who've worked with like yermo del toro or something like that um uh, you know like i heard because yermo would cut here in toronto and he would go to the silver snail and like get things and hang out there. But I always like when I I've watched things on Tim Burton, they talk about, he's a really good artist. Did he like doodle or anything in the cutting room while you were working on stuff? Or was he all business? And
1: um, he also works really <laughs> fast. That's like um, he, uh, he doesn't have long meetings with people, everything oh, he does, like super fast. It's like almost like on fast forward. Um, so like, even doing like music spottings and all that stuff, it's like, oh, just play this double time, and he'll just like talk as the thing's playing in double time. It's like, so I want this and I want that, and you know. Um, so, uh, you know, we worked frequently, but in like short <laughs> bursts. Burse. Um, and I don't know, that's just part of how he works, so he wasn't doodling because there wasn't any downtime when you know he's around. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't doodling in front of me, but, um, yeah, I mean, he was doodling, uh, all throughout the production, you know, just for his own pleasure and, um, uh, you know, for design elements for the show, the, the monster, the CGI monster in the (laughs) show, you know, is based off of one of his doodles. Um, you know, so he helped, uh, you know, create the look of that and, um, yeah, (laughs) that's just, that's just who he is.
0: Now, one of the things that's really interesting is uh, so like the show is from when from Wednesday's point of view. Um but when we get to that dancing scene which is all the rage online right now, <laughs> um it's very much from um I can't remember the other character's name. She was in the boat race with she has the eyes. She's yeah. watching yeah, she and her boyfriend are watching or ex-boyfriend. watching Wednesday dance so there's like sort of a shift in there so when you're working on the scenes like how did you how did you go about uh figuring out which one the perspective should be because you can change that a lot in the post process
1: that's interesting I mean you know definitely the default I mean it's called Wednesday um Mm -hmm. the default is definitely to have everything from her perspective or to just default to that as being what you're doing um, that's funny I mean it, it's actually interesting because like <laughs> there was like that Bianca scene in the middle of the dance I thought of it more as like allowing you to get more Wednesday in there because oh, interesting. like the 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 dance well you know the first part of the dance the first minute and a half mm-hmm. or so is kind of the choreography and then she vamps for a long time Um, so you know I think if you were to watch her dance from beginning to end, it would probably have been like three, three minutes. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is kind of too long (laughs) for a dance scene. Um, but you know, so it was always this because, you know, Tim just wanted as much dancing as possible. And then other, you know, elements in the production are like, well, (laughs) it was a little too long. (laughs) So, um, you know, that, that was part of the challenge there is to try to have like almost as much of her dancing as possible before people go, isn't this too long? Um, and like having that other scene in there was mm-hmm. kind of a advice to let you do that. because And, you know, once you get past a minute and a half in the dance, you start shifting just to feel like you're getting new things yeah because if it's just dancing then it's like okay well we've seen that even though it's completely delightful so I thought of it more like that like I mean all of the elements in that dance that aren't her I felt were kind of strategically placed to try to make it seem like other stuff was happening
0: I don't know that's how I thought about it anyway did did you because a lot of it references back to I believe the movies in the nineties. So did you go back to those dance movie uh, scenes or did I you just,
1: I mean, I love those movies in the nineties when I was a kid, I loved Christina Ricci's performance. Yeah. Mean, that was, you know, very impactful for me as a kid when I watched that, but um, yeah, I mean, I must've, yeah, I think I watched the first Adams family
0: at a certain yeah. recently, but I don't know. I'm not even aware of what the references are. Are there
1: references? What are? They? I know
0: because people like I because like when I saw it, I went online. It was like looking up, and it was like this is a reference to Bob Fosse's thing, and, this oh, is <laughs> and so people are like going
1: crazy. Oh, like, yeah, through... I had I had no concept of that. I wish... yeah,
0: same here. I, and I was did, just like, it, oh my gosh, I
1: have made a few little different <laughs> editing choices if I had known. <laughs> but yeah, um, the uh, yeah, because one move is apparently like the from the black and white Adams family. Yeah an episode where wednesday dances and uh yeah jenna apparently i i I don't know this but apparently jenna incorporated that um into her dance yeah i had no idea i was shocked i just saw that i just saw that a few days ago the comparison between you and i was like oh like because i actually cut part of that dance out like (laughs) because i don't know it just didn't yeah it wasn't really working for me fully. So, but I didn't know what it was. Like if I yeah, knew yeah. reference, I would have had more of it, but anyway. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now you got to tell me uh, like, were you a fan? Cause you talked about the nineties uh, ones and watching the 91, but did you, were you a fan of the original show at all? Or did you, you know, or the, I believe it was a comic originally, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, no, all I, all I knew was the nineties movies. Yeah,
0: that was my, that was my touch point too.
1: Yeah. That was, you know, and they were, they were huge for me. I mean, I loved thing and I loved yeah. uh, Wednesday, which, you know, I guess <laughs> are the elements in this show too. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and I love Morticia as well. Yeah. I love Angelica Houston's performance a lot. I was a bit obsessed with Angelica Houston as well when I was. a
0: kid. <laughs> now, how did they do? I'm assuming they did thing digitally like CGI. Uh, was there ever because like after this got released there's all these people online who've like created robotic versions of thing or anything like that there was no like practical thing like the original was a guy's hand actually doing it just cut off
1: this is all well so just from an aesthetic point of view um, what they wanted what with the show in general but thing Mm -hmm. is a microcosm of that is that they wanted it to be to have an aesthetic of not CGI, to yeah. have an aesthetic of you know handmade, handcrafted kind of thing, um, and uh, so the majority—I uh, mean, I'd say probably ninety percent, something in that range—is yeah. um, uh, is a Romanian magician oh, a no way. thing, um, <clears throat> and it's his hand performance. Um, so you know, he'd normally be in like a blue bodysuit and yeah. just acting with his hand, he would have like a a prosthetic stump that was added to the top of his hand. yeah, um, and then, you know, the you know, his actual arm and wrist would be covered in blue. blue. um, and then they'd remove his body digitally. They wanted to do that as much as possible. Um, to use that actor, his hand performance in the space with actors and props and all that to just um, make that interaction as real as possible um, and to just feel real, um, you know. So and it's kind of like old school style of filmmaking. A lot of, yeah. a lot of the way this um, show was produced was kind of an old school kind of style of filmmaking. So, you know, they'd have all these special props, you know, like Wednesday's Backpack um that she'd carry your thing around in you know they'd have versions of the backpack with holes in it so he could stick his hand through um and then in visual effects they erase the hole on the backpack or you know sticking his hand through a table with a hole in it and then with visual effects you erase you uh, you know fill in the hole so you know a lot of the visual effects for thing are cleanup around the hand as yeah. Anything to do with the hand itself, and of course, everyone's looking at the hand; they're not looking at the table or the the bag. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, it just kind of lends a more believable um, interaction with the environment. So you know, some shots, you know, some sh- shots were pure CGI for sure. Um, some things that were just too difficult to. Uh, mm have like a real actor do yeah Um, so there were you know a a good number of pure cgi thing shots um and you know a few a few like a model um you know like a like sculptures yeah like model sculptures of things wouldn't make it into a few uh scenes as well but Mm -hmm. uh Especially if someone was holding him or something, often they would just hold a prop of him. Um, But yeah, for for the most part, as much as possible, it's a uh, it's an actor that's just being cleaned up.
0: What would you say was the scene you had the most fun cutting, and why?
1: I mean, it was definitely the dance scene for sure. Yeah,
0: what Uh, was it that made it so much fun?
1: I mean, I love dance. I've cut. a lot of dance scenes just in my life. And I just absolutely love it. I don't know. There's just something about the music and the movement and the motion. I mean, I mean, those are just elements of editing that I love. I love music. I love finding music to use in different ways. And I don't know, just the alchemy of movement and music and cinematography is just so, I don't know. It's like magic. It's like pure editing for me. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> So and, you know, it was just so delightful. I mean, you know, just the photography and the choreography and everything was just so great. Um, The uh, and the reaction to just people who were working on the show was like incredible. Like, I I think probably more than any other scene, you know, people would come in and see things and they would it was like Christmas, you know, it's like they're just so delighted watching it um and you know definitely a top scene for that aspect for people to just come in and see and just be so delighted by it and so excited and and you know tim said that was his most fun shooting as well Mm -hmm. um just felt he was just really yeah i don't know he just said it was the most fun he it was right near the end of production and he when he shot it he was just like (laughs) this was my favorite day days of shooting and uh yeah he we actually he went back and got some pickup shots as well for that just because you didn't need them because we already had so much material but everyone was just so excited and so happy with the scene that he went back and got some more shots of you know special shots to capture different angles and stuff on the dance so really happy scene to edit and everyone it and it just came together so beautiful
0: how did you, so when I talk to editors, you know, some are like, I don't touch the music. like I don't add the music to a scene until I'm done the edit. And then I add it. Some editors are like, you know what? I put it in right away. I use it sort of as a guide. Some editors are like, you know, don't touch the music until you've got something. What, what are your thoughts? Like, how do you like to approach a cut since you like to do dance scenes with music?
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I used to do them together Um, because it was very much part of how I conceptualized a scene originally. Um, So I would do them together. Um, I since have adjusted my process a little bit because it's just happened a few too many times when then the scene becomes too linked with the music. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that kind of sometimes leads to a not super great result a little bit down the road. Um, so I, I still kind of conceptually when I'm editing a scene, I will edit it without the music, but I'm thinking about what the music will be, what kind of feel, what kind of energy. Um, but I do cut without at first because I just want to also make sure the cut works. Um, that if the music gets replaced down the road, it'll still work with a different, similar kind of music. Mm-hmm. Um, so, cause I just want to make sure the cut is good just on its own. And, you know, you're not, I'm not just making tweaks to for one, literally one specific track <laughs> that, yeah. that I can't live without. Um, so I do do it on its own, but like do do it on its own, but like almost like immediately after um, I, I find the piece of music that I was a piece of music that, I, that was similar to the kind of thing I was envisioning in my head. Um, uh, so I just do that to kind of foolproof the cut a little bit, but I mean, uh, luckily, uh, you know, more often than not, people do fall in love with the piece of music and end up licensing it. So, yeah. That, that kind of happens more often than not on this show. It happened quite a lot. Um, <clears throat> you know, Tim would just love a piece of music that I found and just would not hear of <laughs> trying out different alternatives or anything. So like episode three ends in a cello cover of a Metallica. Yeah. Song. Um, it was and- a great cover. <laughs> yeah. And it was, just- I was like, Oh, I should get this. Yeah. But I wasn't, you know, um, Because there wasn't any sense of what the music would be in that sequence. It was just a very long, you know, different scenes of stuff wrapping up the episode. And there wasn't a kind of cohesive um, element to it. Um, So I, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, I thought, you know, Wednesday plays the cello you know i thought i thought maybe it would be some like danny elfman kind of hello mm-hmm. piece that was my kind of thought like oh maybe danny elfman will create like a like an original cello orchestration also he had created some cello demos yeah uh, just prior to the show being shot he had just created some cello uh demos that he was like oh this might be the kind of thing wednesday would play on her cello so my original thought was maybe it would be something like that um but all his demos were like too short for the sequence. They were like a minute and a half or something. And this sequence is quite long. Um, so I just thought, oh, well. So I just searched online for like cello, <laughs> cello songs. Um, and also the first episode had that painted black um, cello performance. Yeah. So I thought, you know, I'll just find some like pop song in a cello format. So I was just searching all kinds of different cello covers of pop songs. And yeah, I put that in. I mean, that sequence, I did largely c- cut to the music, a, a lot of it. Um, but, you know, as the process kind of went on, it kind of became more and more clear that that song was not going to be changing. <laughs> like yeah. we were just going to license that because people just loved it. Um, so it just became clear as a process went on that people were not going to be interested in looking at alts there. Yeah. So that sequence I did cut to the music a lot of the time, a lot of the beats, you know, the turning off the sewing machine or the closing the cupboard door or whatever, you know, it's like all on kind of the beats of the music. And luckily we were able to get that song and just keep all of that intact, which was
0: really nice. Now I have one last question for you. What would you say is your favorite guilty pleasure film or TV show to watch?
1: It, it was interesting. Uh, like in COVID, for whatever reason, my viewing habits kind of changed and <laughs> um, I like the things that I would watch for like the most comfort were like horror movies, <laughs> strangely, and like 80s movies or especially 80s horror movies. Um, so, yeah. So that was, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying Any to think campy one that
0: you can think of? What? Any campy one you can think of that you've watched uh, horror wise from the 80s? I mean, I just,
1: I love all, oh, well, I mean, I don't know. There's just so many. I would just, like, put them on, like, I would, I watched all of the Friday the 13th. A lot of them I'd never seen before, Um, you know, but, like, my favorite series is definitely the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Just the imagination and the creativity and the kind of hyper-reality to it. Yeah. Um, The prosthetics uh, special effects. So, um, yeah, I'd say... And probably my favorite out of those, it's kind of maybe controversial to say, but it's probably not the first one. My favorite is probably either the third or the seventh, (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Which ones are those? Those are, is that the one, which one has the Nintendo in it? The Nintendo Uh, Power Glove. That
1: That one's terrible. (laughs) Three Dream Warriors, which is the most grotesque and fantastical and imaginative out of all of them and yeah. then 7 is new nightmare which is um <clears throat> the uh kind of postmodern take on the nightmare yeah. on street series yeah that's right yes and what and and looking at what it means as horror creators to create horror uh products which yeah. is really interesting um to me especially now that
0: i'm creating more and more horror products <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for letting me interview you today, Jay.
1: Yeah, thank you. It was really nice.
0: So that was my interview with Jay Perjidney. I want to thank Jay for joining me. And I also want to remind you, if you like what you heard, make sure to go to filmmakeru.com and check out our courses and use The Cutting Room code to get 10% off. That's The Cutting Room when you purchase anything for filmmakeryou.com to get 10% off. Now, this podcast was produced by myself, Jason Bankey, And of course, Evan Winch, who's behind the mixing board for us today. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.